listening to This Ghost Talks Podcast with your host, Chris Given. Hi guys, welcome to episode 14 of This Ghost Talks. I'm your host, Chris Given, and today I'm going to be talking about germ theory versus terrain theory and other fun aspects that determine our health. So, what is germ theory? The germ theory of diseases is the current accepted scientific theory for many diseases. It states that the microorganisms known as pathogens or germs can lead to disease. These small organisms, too small to see without magnification, invade humans, other animals, and other living hosts. Their growth and reproduction within their host can cause disease. The word germ may refer not just as a bacterium, but to any type of microorganism or non-living pathogens that can cause disease, such as fungi, viruses, prions, or viroids. Diseases caused by pathogens are called infectious diseases. Okay, we've all heard about and somewhat understand the germ theory as most of us have grown up with it. But have you heard of terrain theory? I only recently learned about the name of this theory, but I think we've all had an understanding of what it is. Here's a quote to help us better understand. Terrain theory argues that if the body is well and balanced, then germs that are a natural part of life and the environment will be dealt with by the body without causing sickness. Germs seek their natural habitat, diseased tissue, rather than being the cause of the diseased tissue. This is a quote by Antoine Bichamp. To use an analogy, let's think of a lawn with and without weeds. And let's say the lawn will represent your health. Have you ever noticed how weeds don't grow in a well-cultivated and curated lawn? And when a weed does manage to get into a well-kept lawn, it's easy for it to be picked and removed. If left unchecked, the weeds will overrun the lawn and eventually kill it. Eating bad things all the time like fast foods is like literally planting weeds in your lawn. Terrain theory explains why a cold can sweep through your household, but for some magical reason, you're the only one who doesn't get sick. Well, it's not magic. It's just that your lawn is too pristine for the cold, or in this case, weed, to grow. It's that simple. Notice how one theory makes you the victim, and yet the other one puts you right in the driver's seat. Because there are no victims. Our health is the direct result of our previous actions to either support it or weaken it. Eating right, getting enough sleep, moving the body is fertilizing your lawn. Those things can make an unhealthy lawn spring back to life. Traditional medicine has us spraying the weed killer on the weeds as the only solution. Now it might kill some weeds, but it introduces more toxicity and makes it harder for the lawn to recover and fight off the next wave of weeds. I will get more into toxicity later, and I think it plays a large part in our health. 
Western medicine, insofar as it relates to infection, is based primarily on Louis Pasteur's work on pasteurization. He's known as the father of microbiology. The germ theory goes like this. The body is sterile, vulnerable to attack by external pathogens, and should said pathogens take up residence in the body, a clear clinical course associated with that pathogen ensues. Further, the rationale suggests that in order to be truly well, we need to kill all the bugs and do, do, do whatever we can to avoid contact with said bugs in the first place. This body of work led to the framework for modern medicine. Antibiotics, vaccines, sterilization, all the tools we're familiar with. This mindset places all the emphasis on the bug, but says nothing of the terrain into which it is introduced. One would be forgiven for thinking that, if this were the case, things like nutrition and sleep are basically pointless. Of course, we know this to be untrue. We are starting to see the limits of this theory. More antibiotic-resistant infections, skin rashes because of overuse of alcohol-based hand rubs killing protective microbes, and more susceptibility to infections in general because of poor immunity are now some of the mainstays of visits to the doctor's office. Looking into Antoine Beauchamp's work, a contemporary of Louis Pasteur's, you will find he was widely regarded as a quack, that the body of his work is comprehensively wrong, as one author put it, yet there are millions and millions of dollars being funneled into research investigating the role of the microbiome and the resultant susceptibility to disease. The thinking basically goes, and this is something I think you will find timely during these precarious times, is that the severity of the infection will correlate with the patient's health status. In other words, the unhealthier the lifestyle, the more out of balance the body is, the more susceptible they will be to disease. Further, the disease will be much more severe in that person compared to a body that is physiologically stable and healthy. So far, what we've gathered with respect to the COVID-19 pandemic is that the ones who are experiencing the most severe symptoms and thus dying from the virus are men. Looking closer, the working theory is that men are more likely to binge drink, eat poorly, smoke, and keep erratic hours. Women, by the way, would be just as vulnerable if they chose to engage in these behaviors. Knowing the impact of these habits have on our body is it any surprise that this group is more vulnerable to complications? It's important to keep in mind that there are only a few strict pathogens out there, one where if you get exposure to these microbes, you will get symptoms no matter who you are. These include malaria, HIV, and syphilis. Most other microbes are what we call opportunistic, in that the severity will be determined by your susceptibility to infection in the first place. Is COVID-19 a strict pathogen? That remains to be seen. Who should you believe? Pasteur or Beauchamp? Well, believe them both. Neither of them is wrong. It's all about the context. Here's some food for thought, though. Louis Pasteur is rumored to have said on his deathbed in a moment of inspired lucidity, the terrain, the terrain. The modern medicine machine was well underway by then, and God help anybody who speaks out against an entrenched dogma. Let's talk about your gut health or gut biome. 
You know, it's likely responsible for 90% of your health. Leaky gut, also known as increased intestinal permeability, is a digestive condition in which bacteria and toxins are able to leak through the intestinal wall. This leads to your system becoming toxic. One symptom of a bad gut biome is when you get acid reflux. This is something I have personally battled with over many sleepless nights until I discovered the magic of apples. I used to pound back four or five tums like they were candy and it wouldn't do a thing to help with my acid reflux. But then upon researching the topic, I came across a story of a man who suffered from it for years, who discovered one fine day that he slept well and felt great. Thinking back about what he did differently, that night he discovered he ate an apple before bed. Well, I thought to myself, why not give it a try? And I shit you not, I have not had one bout of acid reflux since using apples. In fact, the first night I tried it, I was amazed that not only did my acid reflux disappear, it did so quickly and I was able to sleep like a baby mere minutes later. I now eat apples all the time. I can see why there's a saying of an apple a day keeps the doctor away. I don't know the full extent of the positive effects of eating apples, but I am sure it's amazing. And it's no wonder that religion has demonized it as the forbidden fruit. Well, no god of mine would create such a perfect food and then make it forbidden. If you suffer from acid reflux, give it a shot. You might be amazed. You know, if you cut an apple in half and look at its core, it looks like a heart. And if you cut a carrot, it looks like an eye. And broccoli looks like the capillaries in your lungs. God was telling us exactly what these amazing foods are good for. Now, I think most illnesses are the result of two things, deficiency and toxicity. We've all heard the saying that as soon as you feel a tickle in your throat, you take vitamin C ASAP. Why? Because you're obviously deficient in it. This very saying is a terrain theory saying. We eat crappy foods, we consume alcohol and drugs, we are sleep deprived, and some of us are in a constant state of fear. It's time we start becoming conscious of what we are doing to our bodies. It would serve us well to question everything we are thinking about putting into them. Will this decrease my deficiencies or increase them? Will this add to my toxicity or reduce it? And one of the best things I ever have ever done for my health is I started to drink water as my primary source of hydration. I want to talk a little bit about grounding. What is grounding? Grounding, also called earthing, is a therapeutic technique that involves doing activities that ground or electrically reconnect you to the earth. This practice relies on earthing science and grounding physics to explain how electrical charges from the earth can have positive effects on your body. Well, we're electrical beings. The ground is negatively charged, and the atmosphere is positively charged. When we have a good helping of negative charge, our blood cells carry more oxygen to our body. When we are deficient in this charge, our blood cells become coagulated, and the cells stack up on top of each other, and we lose the ability to carry oxygen efficiently. This leads to inflammation, which is the cause of many diseases. You know, it's a funny word, isn't it? Let's hyphenate it. Dis-ease. The state of not being at ease, or in other words, under stress. But let's get back to the grounding and how it can help control inflammation. When you ground, it not only protects you from inflammation, but it also protects against the constant bombardment of electromagnetic fields from Wi-Fi and other signals. 
It gives your energy body a chance to rest. You can ground by spending time in your yard barefoot, or you can use a grounding blanket across your bed at night and ground all night. I personally used to have a problem with my knees, and I noticed it when playing with my kids. You know, just getting up off the floor was a chore. After I started grounding, I haven't had an issue with my knees hurting since. Here's an interesting fact that you might not know, but did you know you're at a higher risk of heart failure when you sleep in high-rise buildings way up in the sky where it's a positively charged atmosphere? Just an interesting fact. Now, let's bring in the spiritual aspect of our health. We are not only physical, we are light. We are vibrational beings. This is why you can feel it when someone mad walks into the room. Or, as I have seen multiple times at my place of work, people who are mostly happy-go-lucky turning negative when working closely with, ne- with a negative person for an extended period of time. We tend to rub off on one another, so to speak. Like when you take two tuning forks, and when you strike only one, the other one vibrates in sympathetic harmony. Having a high vibration makes you relatively immune to lower vibrations. Low vibrations are like the quiet fork, while high vibrations are like the fork that just got struck. A high vibration person can uplift an entire room of people. This is partly what is meant by the saying that if you want to change the world, change yourself. Work on your vibration and it will not only bring you health, but it will uplift others simply by your mere presence. You know, I love the figure eight because it can describe so many different things so simply. We know it's the symbol for infinity, but we can use it to describe, say, our creative process. Picture the figure eight in your mind. And where the lines cross, let's say that's you. Now, your thoughts, words, and deeds travel out from you, reaching like an invisible hand into the future and bringing back to you the experiences you've called for. This is one side of the figure eight. And as it passes back through you, because, well, everything happens through you, then you experience what you worked on previously. So on the one side of the loop is your creative energies flowing out and back to you, and the other is the physical, psychological, and emotional experience or result. This applies to everything in our lives, including our health. So in the end, we learn that we are swimming in a sea of germs, and that's okay. It doesn't determine if or how we get sick. That largely depends on our terrain, the conditions of our bodies. We are the cultivator and curators of our own health. Some people actively work on their lawns while others ignore it and blame it on external factors playing the victim card. But we are fully responsible for all of it, how we treat others and how we treat ourselves. That's all I've got for this episode, but I'll leave you with this piece of advice. Do your own research. Look for the facts. Listen to your heart. Think critically, trust selectively, and above all, question everything. Thanks for listening, and I hope you come back to hear some more words from This Ghost Talks.